I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We began our worship service with this beautiful hymn at the name of Jesus. And then the second theme, the King of Glory, we confess him this morning. Our colleague also prays. We pray through this colleague, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. David in his oracle, the last prayer he offers to God, acknowledges here that he is God, the anointed God of Jacob. Psalmist also proclaims that he is the mighty one. The mighty one are usually the king of Jacob. The book of Revelation also has the same, the seer sees this vision of Jesus Christ as the king of king, mighty God of Jacob. And Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king? And Jesus tells him, yes. For the sake of the truth, I want to tell you that I am the king. And then Jesus explains what kind of king he is. Because Pilate and others know that human experience is that the absolute power corrupts absolutely, Lord Acton said Examples of absolute power of the kings and monarchs. We have numerous examples in the modern history and the old history. Many of us know about Hitler, leader of ISIS, Gaddafi of Libya, Hasni Mubarak of Egypt. Also, that absolute power, it corrupted many Roman emperors who declared before Jesus that they are, themselves are gods. During the reign of Augustus Caesar, the message was carved in stones where the governor lived, where the senate was, on the main centers of the town in Rome and Jerusalem and Roman Empire, all roads led to the Rome, you know, in many, many mega cities. And it was carved for the world to know. And it said, Good news, we have an emperor, which was the Roman emperor. Justice, peace, security, and prosperity are ours only. The Son of God, which is the Roman Emperor, the Son of God, has become the King of the world. But this morning, we, through the revelation and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Pilate is asking questions, Jesus, 
but now we can answer that. He is sitting in the 21st century at St. Anne's. Who is Jesus? He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Caesar Augustus ruled the Roman world, an increasing massive empire from 63 BC to 14 AD. Jesus' people lived for decades under the repressive rule of foreign tyrants who had no desires, things to change. No elections are held, or if they are, they are rigged from the start to finish. At exactly at that time, when Jesus growing up in Palestine, there was a revolutionary movement. And they called that movement Josephus, who is a, a, a you know, Jewish historian during Jesus' time. He said that movement declared that it was for God alone to be king. People in Israel were waiting for this moment. They were praying for it and here on the scene, Jesus of Nazareth appears and Bishop N.T. Wright in his book, simply Jesus writes, it is where the real perfect storm took place. So much history, so many memories, such high expectation and aspiration, such a tangled web of faith and fear and hatred and hope. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth enters in the eye of the storm where people are frustrated under the cruel occupation of Rome waiting from freedom for liberation from tyranny, oppression, persecution. They were convinced God only would do it. The God in the history who would bring order out of chaos. They had experienced it earlier and who brought his enslaved people out of Egypt would do it again. That was their expectation that Jesus of Nazareth would do that. Here, it is into this powerful, high, precious storm, into this whole path, Jesus of Nazareth decided to, to walk. Entering into the capital city of Jerusalem, he was received with thunderous, deafening shouts of Hosanna, 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 save us, save us. We welcome you, Jesus. Jewish and Arab women were It was good news all around Jerusalem. It is fulfilling the heart of the vision of King Yahweh mentioned in the book of Prophet Isaiah chapter 52 and Ezekiel chapter 34. Also another remarkable passage in the book of Zechariah. It appears that the divine king might after all come in the form of human king. And I quote from Isaiah, chapter, Zechariah chapter 9, 
Rejoice, greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and hiding on a donkey, on a cold, the fall of a donkey. A large number of people of Israel started believing that Jesus was to fulfill the dreams of those who wanted God and God alone to be our king. In Jesus, they believed God himself had indeed become king. The dream of God himself being the coming king, ruling the world in justice and peace had come true, they thought and believed, and they saw that it is being now fulfilled. The development is quite puzzling. The puzzle boils down to two questions. Number one question, why would anyone say this of Jesus, who had not done the things people expected a victorious king to do? Number two, what on earth might it mean today to speak Jesus being a king or being in charge in view of the fact that so many things in the world give no hint of such a thing. During Jesus' own life, there were plenty of people who didn't want to believe his message as it would upset their agendas. Others recognized something new was happening, something powerful, dramatic, different. Jesus was declaring through public proclamation that Israel's God was at last becoming king. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near you. Time is fulfilled, he said. God's kingdom is ushering in, is arriving, is here. Turn back and believe the good news. That's what we read in Mark chapter 1. And then in Luke chapter 11, if it is by God's finger that I cast out demons, Jesus declared, then God's kingdom has come upon you. Jesus making these proclamations in an environment where there is no mass media to spread this message. The only way people were hearing about Jesus of Nazareth through eyewitnesses of the power of his healing preaching and teaching. They noticed that broken lives are being mended. Paralytic, epileptics, demonics, people with horrible diseases, a servant on the point of death, 
an old woman with high fever, visually impaired, deaf, and those with speech impediment, a little girl who is technically already dead, and an old woman with persistent hemorrhage, all are healed. All are healed and blessed and invited in the wholeness and in the kingdom of God. That's the kind of king Jesus we proclaim and worship and adore this morning. The gospels tell us the story of the ushering in of the kingdom of God. All those who were marginal to the, in the society are being welcomed. Jesus went out of his way to meet them and to eat and party with them, to call one of them to be part of his inner team. Jesus welcomes a sinner like Matthew and many others and include them part of his team. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. No discrimination. Nobody is left outside. They're all God's beloved children. Jesus extending to all the realm of God's mercy. His mission continues today as we acknowledge Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, a counterculture king. His mission continues through you and through me and through us all. We are now the primary agency to carry his important task to continue to bring the kingdom of Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in, into our world. The church is not supposed to be a society, a perfect people doing great work. It is a society of forgiven sinners like me and you all, now empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry the agenda of the gospel of peace, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of compassion. Whether it is in Annapolis, or oh, God has called me to carry that gospel in an area of the world where 2.1 million Christians were persecuted and killed, 4 million were uprooted in Sudan and now South Sudan, and with 88% because their infrastructure was you know, completely destroyed and the Islamic government of Sudan forced them to accept Sharia law and deny the name of Jesus and they kept, said, no, they kept saying no for 50 years. We acknowledge Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, our Savior. We have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. My brothers and sisters, here we come this morning to celebrate 
this feast on the last Sunday of this ordinary season of Pentecost. Next Sunday, we will be entering into the season of Advent, waiting upon the in, now incarnate Christ who was born in human flesh. May this be our Sunday where we do not just, you know, <coughs> mechanically utter and mutter and go empty with empty hearts, but actually feel the power and presence of Holy Spirit because Jesus the risen Christ walks and talks and is present among us. Are my prayer is your eyes and my mine eyes be opened at the breaking of the bread. So we do not go just with empty feelings, but we actually meet Jesus Christ, our Lord, at the name of Jesus, then our tongue may confess, our knee may bow at the name of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord and our King and our Savior. My brothers and sisters, that's what our hymnal says. Name him Christian, name him. In your hearts, enthrone him. Crown him as your captain. Let his will enfold you in the light and power. Christians, my brothers and sisters, as in Anne, this Lord Jesus will return again with his Father's glory over the earth to reign for all reefs of empire meet upon his brow. And our hearts confess him, King of glory, now. Our hearts confess him, King of glory, now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.